the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What difference at this point does it make? Oh, shut up. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. If you like your health care plan, you will keep your plan. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to our second show of the new year. This is the United England Empire radio program. My name is Don Dix, and I'm the chapter leader of the Corona chapter of Act for America, and joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts, John Hancock, an author, uh, writer of the book Liberty Inherited, and now uh, your new book. Liberty and Prosperity, How the Saxons Created the Modern World, yes. Awesome. And if you haven't picked that up, you definitely want to. If you've read the first book, if you haven't, both books make a great addition to your library. And Greg Britton, who is an attorney and uh, cabinet member of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, Happy New Year again. Happy New Year, gentlemen. It's great to be with you guys. And national security continues to be in the spotlight with the breakdown of diplomatic relationships between uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia. I was going to there's a pun in here somewhere. A distasteful one about the severing. The <laughs> severing their diplomatic relationships because Saudi Arabia severed the head off of uh, a Shiite cleric. Uh, Iranians uh, stormed the Saudi Arabian embassy and it, it just went downhill from there. You know, it's amazing what it take, how little it takes to trigger devotees of the religion of peace in the yeah. violence. It really is. They're 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 a hair's breadth away from uh, uh, becoming full tilt jihadists. It seems, and no better person to help us really understand the dynamics and what's really going on in the Middle East than our guest today, best-selling author Kenneth Timmerman, who has literally spent a career investigating the dark side of national security over three decades. He's interviewed dissidents behind the uh, proverbial Iron Curtain of the Middle East, uh, covered numerous Middle East Eastern wars, interviewed suicide bombers, debriefed defectors from the Iranian intelligence organizations, on and on and on. He has uh, a most recent uh, tremendous book called Dark Forces, The Truth About What Happened in Benghazi. And of course, next week on the uh, 15th of January, the movie... 13 Hours debuts, Michael Bay's movie, which is all about that. Uh, welcome to the show, Ken. Uh, Don, thanks for having me on. And i got to tell you, when I interviewed suicide bombers, it was actually before. I was saying, were these successful or unsuccessful suicide bombers? <laughs> it, it turned out they were successful, but uh, I didn't know that uh, You know, at, at the time. If I had, I would have warned somebody that... Uh, but very odd characters. Very, Did you know when odd. you interviewed them that they planned to be suicide bombers? No, I just was introduced. Uh, There's a particular guy in Gaza a number of years ago, and I was introduced to him as a future, as a hero, you know, a hero to the moment. And, and he seemed completely drugged out, really. No way. I had this faraway look in his eyes and uh, just seemed like he was high on something. 
I remember this cartoon of suicide bomb class, and the guys and the instructors in his suicide vest and says, "Telling us class, pay close attention. I'm only going to demonstrate this once." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Well, you know that's an interesting segue because uh, this week a, a video was released by ISIS of apparently in one of their one of the universities back there in Syria they have a full blown weapons training class uh, demonstrating uh, you know surface to air missiles and so forth and then of course as I mentioned Saudi Arabia uh, and Iran Ken have you seen the movie that I or the video of ISIS and, and, and any thoughts or comments on on that weaponry that they're displaying and their capability yeah, Don, I did see that, and it, and it is um, it, it's not just interesting. It shows uh, you know how developed they are. They have gotten weapons techs, uh, weapon technician technicians from a number of different armies uh, in that region, Iraq, Syria, and others probably. And we know that they've got the surface to air missiles. They got them out of Libya. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. Mm. Something like. 5,000 surface-to-air missiles that went missing from Gaddafi's arsenal, probably 2,000 of them, wound up in the hands of al-Qaeda slash ISIS. Uh, they've been turning up, and I've I, I mentioned this, I, I go through this in my book, Dark Forces, uh, the truth about what happened in Benghazi. They were showing up in, in uh, the, uh, the Sinai, they were showing up in Gaza, uh, and they showed up as far away uh, as Afghanistan. Wow. Was this official policy of the Obama regime to uh, smuggle the arms from Libya to uh, ultimately to the uh, to ISIS in Syria? Well, they claim it wasn't. But at the same time, the president, uh, the White House acknowledged at the time in 20, uh, 2011 that they had a policy to secretly arm the Libyan rebels. Later, after Gaddafi fell, uh, they claimed that their policy was to round up the loose weaponry, including the surface-to-air missiles. And, uh, of course, we found out, in part by their own admission, that they had missed 5,000 of those missiles. By the way... They were here just a minute ago. (laughs) Yes, Glenn Doherty, one of the... uh, one of the uh, uh, two um, uh, former Navy SEALs who was killed in Benghazi, along with Tyrone Woods, uh, Glenn Darty's mission in Tripoli was to round up those missiles. So, uh, you know, it, it, it hit a lot of people. Wow. Supposedly they all went through Turkey. Did anybody, has anybody asked the question, what, why, what was Ambassador Stevens meeting the, the Turkish ambassador the night he was killed? Over? Yeah, well, uh, also, I reveal in my book that the Turkish, uh, the, he was a consul general, uh, but you look at his pedigree, you look at his career, the guy was an MIT officer. That MIT is not the place in uh, Boston, Mass., or in Cambridge. It is the Turkish military intelligence. Uh, <laughs> so oh. the, the ambassador was meeting the, the head of Turkish intelligence in Libya, and what were they talking about? Well, gee, uh, weapons that had gone missing. Uh, had, there was a big shipment that um, um, uh, went out of Benghazi, reached Iskandarun in Turkey in the beginning of August 2012, and hit the front pages of the newspapers. It was a huge embarrassment, and they were trying to put a lid on it. Mm. We are talking to Kenneth Timmerman. He's an investigative journalist. Uh, things in the Middle East are melting down, and the primary reason for getting Ken on the phone was to talk about Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's is the most recent development in uh, the making the Middle East one of the most dangerous places on Earth. We're going to take a break right now and come back with Ken's thoughts on that development uh, after our a break from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial, a great patriot and supporter of Unite, i.e. radio. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. 
It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic. It's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy but you need to refinance the home you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt, or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m., and Sundays at 4 o'clock, right here on AM590, The Answer. AM590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio Program. My name is John Hancock, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Dix and Greg Brennan, and we have our guest today is Kenneth Timmerman. He's an investigative reporter, New York Times bestselling author, and he's uh, basically an expert in the Middle East. And we were just talking about some of the weaponry that went missing that the that this administration had given to the Libyans. Uh, many of them is um, uh, anti-aircraft missiles, and you know we we remember the. The, the Gaza flotilla that, that the Israelis intercepted, and of course that made all the news because they, they hit it pretty hard with their military forces. You know, was that anything related to this? Were they concerned that there might be some of this weaponry in that flotilla, or are they concerned about it showing up in Israel? Uh, well, they're certainly concerned about weapons uh, out of Libya showing up uh, in Gaza or in Israel. It wasn't in the flotilla that was a little bit earlier, but uh, the uh, I was told by a very senior Israeli official uh, that uh, they saw some of the surface-to-air uh, missiles coming out of Qaddafi's Lib- uh, Libya in Gaza, and that the Israeli Air Force actually had been targeted by some of those missiles, and they mm. took evasive action uh, and didn't lose any aircraft. But this is something that they haven't really made public. They haven't talked about a lot, uh, but I was, t- I was told this by a senior Israeli official. Ken, your take on this new development in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia severing diplomatic relationship with Iran, is is this making things, uh, is this, on the surface, it looks bad. Is, how bad is it? Uh, well, uh, how bad it is is going to depend on probably the next week uh, to 10 days on whether the Saudis and the Iranians escalate or whether they try to de-escalate the tensions. As of right now, uh, I'll tell you, they seem to be escalating. Uh, just uh, uh, last night, uh, the uh, Iranians accused the Saudis of uh, launching airstrikes against their embassy in Yemen, where there's a civil war going on. The Iranians are backing the Houthi rebels on one side. The Saudis are backing the government on the other. Uh, this is a Sunni-Shia split, right? The two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. major sects of the religion of peace, as John said earlier as we came in. Uh, and and uh, they do have real serious differences, uh, but it goes beyond the sectarian differences. Those are ginned up um, by the leaders of both countries when they need to gin up the people. But this is also geopolitical. Iran and Saudi Arabia are vying for control of the Middle East. They're vying. Uh, they're they're on the battleground with each other in Iraq, in Syria. Uh, they are. Uh, they were in, in Libya as well, uh, and uh, they are both seeking to control not just the Muslim world uh, in the Middle East, but the oil supply, the oil and gas supplies. Uh, and you notice uh, that most of the oil in that region 
uh, is actually in areas that are under Shiite control, under with Shiite populations, including in Saudi Arabia. And the Saudis' biggest fear, and it's been for the past 35 years the same way, their biggest fear is that the Shias in Saudi Arabia in the eastern oil-rich province, right, that they uh, ally openly with Iran and secede from Saudi Arabia, taking all the oil with them. If they did that, Saudi, the, the Saudi royal family and all of the Saudis would go back to what they were doing 200 years ago, racing camels in the desert. Instead of racing cars in Beverly Hills. <laughs> For example. Well, the U.S.-Saudi relationship has been one of the key foundations of security in that region, at least since World War II. And whatever you may think of the Saudi Arabian regime internally, they have externally, they have been more or less a friend of the United States. Now, there are elements in Saudi Arabia that fund radical extremism. They fund Islamic centers in the United States and elsewhere, try to spread Islam. But on a ge- geopolitical level, they've been an ally. But that's changing now under Barack Hussein Obama, who's cozied up to Iran. Uh, it, it's it's an extraordinary relationship, really, the, the Saudi-U.S. relationship up until Obama. Uh, and I think you, you really described it very, very well. Uh, it, it's uh, on the one hand, they, they are a strategic ally to the United States. They helped us to defeat Saddam Hussein, both in 1991 and again in 2003. On the other hand, they're spreading radical jihadi Islamic uh, centers and Islamic groups, funding jihad around the world, building mosques that uh, promote jihad in Europe and in the United States, and ultimately seek to destroy us. <laughs> so, you know, you've got that love-hate relationship, that ally-enemy relationship all wrapped up in one country. Uh, but you are absolutely correct also to say that uh, Obama has shifted U.S. alliances. He has made a strategic move that uh, uh, none of us at the beginning of the Obama administration uh, saw happening quite this way. You saw Obama bowing to the Saudi king. You, right. Our listeners perhaps remember that. Right. He was and just he looking at the king's ring. Now, come on. Yeah, and, and so he <laughs> bows to the king, and everybody says, oh, okay, so Obama's going to be bowing to the keeper of the two uh, holy mosques of Islam, uh, which is, by the way, what he was doing. Uh, but we did not see that he would be willing to throw his lot in with Iran because Iran is a revolutionary regime. It is an Islamist regime. It is, an, it is a regime that seeks to destroy the United States, seeks to drive the United States out of the Persian Gulf, uh, so uh, Iran can then dominate it. That goes along with Obama's own worldview, where he sees the U.S. as the source of evil, the source of conflict, and he wants to extricate us from the Middle East and from from those regions, including as far away as Afghanistan. But why side with Iran over over Saudi Arabia and the Sunni Arab countries? Well, again, Iran is a revolutionary country. Obama came into power saying he was going to fundamentally transform America. Mm. And uh, you don't fundamentally transform America by uh, uh, reinforcing a strategic alliance with an extremely conservative uh, uh, religious state, which is Saudi Arabia. You do so by embracing a revolutionary uh, religious state, which is Iran. Well, and isn't the Saudis just like the Mubarak was? And to a degree, recently, um, up until the end of Gaddafi, they were kind of remnants of, of colonialism. Uh, a good point. And, and Gaddafi is another interesting case in point. Uh, you know, in the beginning 
of the administration, Gaddafi, Gaddafi embraced Obama. He said, my African brother. Mm. <laughs> he called him my fellow African. Wow. Uh, that didn't go over too well with the White House. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's why. This is how you get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, Gaddafi was the original birther, right? <laughs> so in this, in this administration-Iranian dynamic, is there a, is there a, a influence influencing agent in Valerie Jarrett in any of that? Uh, yes, she was uh, instrumental, uh, and I uh, talk about that in Dark Forces, uh, in cementing, well, in paving the way for the backdoor diplomatic talks that ultimately led the way to the Iran-U.S. Uh, or the Iran, uh, the Iran nuclear deal that the U.S. was instrumental in, in getting done last year. Uh, she um, grew up in uh, Iran up to the age of five or six, and her be- her family's best friend was a series of do- her father was a doctor, uh, right? In the Shiraz Hospital, opened mm-hmm. up the Shiraz Hospital in 1955. She was the first baby born in that hospital. Wow! She was born in Iran, the first baby born in that hospital, the jewel of the Shah of Iran's uh, modernized uh, ir- Iran. And they were friends with the Veliati family, doctors. Well, Veliati is now Dr. Veliati, former foreign minister Veliati, the supreme leader of Iran's top foreign affairs advisor. Amazing. There is uh, much more to come here with Ken Timmerman. He talked about the nuclear deal. We'll get an update as to the status on the nuclear deal and where where things sit there, especially in the wake of a nuclear test in North Korea uh, this past week. We're speaking to investigative journalist Ken Timmerman. We'll be back after this message from our sponsor. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, a great patriot and the place to go for your real estate lending needs. More with Ken Timmerman after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic. It's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy, but you need to refinance the home you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt, Or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at 4 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. My name is Greg Britton with co-hosts Don Dix and John Hancock and our guest today, Ken Timmerman, investigative journalist who is specialized in writing about and investigating the dark side of national security. Simon Wiesenthal said of Mr. Timmerman, I have spent my life tracking down the murderers of yesterday. Mr. Timmerman is tracking down the murderers of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mighty impressive. You're talking. Yes, I, 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 tr- I, I wish it weren't true, but uh, unfortunately, this is what I've been doing the past 25 years. And, uh, you know, the Iranian nuclear weapons program is something that I've been looking into since 1987. Wow. Right. And you were you were nominated by the former foreign minister of Sweden for a Nobel Peace Prize for your work in uncovering Iran's nuclear weapons program. 
uh, that's right. That was in 2006, and he actually jointly he nominated me and John Bolton jointly uh, for the prize because he said, you know, if you can give the Nobel Peace Prize to the International Atomic Energy Agency, which has spent eight years trying to cover up Iran's nuclear <laughs> weapons program, you can give it to these two guys who have been working to uncover it, unveil it, and stop it. Would you share our assessment that the uh, Obama's nuclear weapons deal with Iran will allow them to develop nuclear weapons either by cheating on the deal or just carrying out the deal, and after it expires in 10 years, they'll be in a position to quickly build them? Absolutely right. We we, uh, essentially authorize them to develop nuclear weapons, as you say, in 10 years if they decide to play by the, the, the rules of the deal, or sooner if they decide to cheat. And by the way, if they decide to cheat, uh, it will be much easier for them than it had been in the past, because uh, under the nuclear deal, uh, they are allowed to modernize their enrichment centrifuges and start installing uh, new generations, which are five times faster than the ones they've got there already. So instead of taking them three or four months to enrich enough uranium for a bomb. It'll take them two to three weeks. Coming back to our, we're talking about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has expressed interest in uh, developing nuclear weapons in light of the deal with Iran. And I've read that they have the ability, because they funded Pakistan's program, to acquire them, to purchase them from Pakistan. Any truth to that? Uh, Yes, the Saudis have always considered the Pakistani nuclear weapons arsenal to be theirs. Uh, they funded it. They helped them develop it from the get-go. Uh, and uh, what? Well, and and today I am sure that you have the the Saudis uh, once again um, uh, making the case to the uh, Pakistanis that, that this is so. You had their foreign minister Abdul Jubair uh, going to Pakistan on uh, today, and uh, he's talking to Pakistani leaders. Uh, so wow. this is something that he's always reminding them. And um, you know, so so this brings a point that it seems to me that that these two systems, Iran and the Saudis, cannot coexist. There's going to be a showdown at some point. Do you did you see that happening sooner or later? Or uh, I, well, that's why I, I think the next ten days are going to be really critical to see how far they decide to go. Um, the Iranian, the deputy commander of the Revolutionary Guards in Iran, General Salami, uh, said uh, this morning that uh, this was like. Uh, we are back to 1980 when Saddam Hussein was launching his religious war against Iran. So they're already equating it to the eight-year Iran-Iraq war, which was between Sunni Iraq right, and Shiite Iran. Well, the big difference between today and 1980 is that both Saudi Arabia and Iran have access to uh, much more deadly weapons and larger quantities of those deadly weapons than Saddam or Iran did in 1980. Plus, uh, the Iranians have a uh, virtual nuclear weapons program, and the Saudis have access access to Pakistani nuclear weapons. So Mm. the stakes are much, much higher, uh, and should they actually get into a shooting war, it could be deadly. So at the same time that Barack Obama came into office promising to de-escalate nuclear capability around the world... He meant ours. And yeah. he did ours. We have we have a heightened risk now unfolding in the Middle East, is what you're saying. Absolutely correct. The Israelis understand that. That's why Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, at personal political risk, came to the United States to go before Congress to explain why Israel was opposing the nuclear deal with Iran. 
Uh, and and we know the result of that is that Obama uh, uh, sent the NSA to go listen in on the prime minister of Israel whenever he was talking to American politicians uh, to see what they were cooking up. Uh, but, yeah, the Israelis understand the stakes. It's, they are very, very high. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're worried about uh, how this is going to play out. Compounding the risk and problem here is that Iran is a much more populous country than Saudi Arabia. And now what's happening in Iraq, where Iran is really effectively in control of large, effectively a large part of the country, beginning the Shiite dominated South, as well as the uh, nominal national government. Absolutely right. Iran, you know, the, here's the result of, of our, our, our war in Iraq. You know, 11 years of war in Iraq, something like 5,000 uh, American lives sacrificed uh, to, to defend this country and to protect us from, from uh, radical jihadis and also from weapons of mass destruction, uh, and hopefully to create a more stable, uh, you know, uh, region and a more stable country. Here we are 11 years later with Iraq being turned over to Iran. The Iranians now control Iraq. That is a travesty. Can you stay with us for one more segment to give us your thoughts on 2016 and what the future of all this might lead, might uh, mean for America? Sure, with great pleasure. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. We're speaking to Ken Timmerman, investigative journalist, uh, author of the of a, a tremendous book that needs to be in your national security library, Dark Forces, The Truth About What Happened in Benghazi. We will be back with more with Ken after this break and traffic. I'll keep my freedom. I'll keep my guns. Try to keep my money and my religion too. I watch the news and have to wonder if this country's going crazy. Talk about how much they love it here, but now they want to rearrange it. I'm just your average Joe, and that makes me smart enough to know there's a bunch of us out here that feel the same. Gonna keep our God, our freedom, a little money in the bank. Y'all can keep the change. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to be speaking today with Ken Termerman, investigative journalist who specializes in national security affairs. If you have not heard the first half of this show, we recommend you try to pick it up on the second broadcast at uh, 10 p.m. tonight or on the, on the podcast because it was a great and very informative first half hour. We are so pleased that he can stay with us in this next segment. So your thoughts on 2016, Ken? We have this trajectory now that's been launched by the Obama administration over uh, seven years of foreign policy failure. Uh, what, 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 what are we looking for? What's on the board for possibilities for 2016? Well, I think uh, you, you have to project forward where we are right now. We have lost our strategic advantage uh, in the Persian Gulf, in Iraq, uh, in Syria. Uh, we've lost our ability to influence affairs in places like Libya. We have uh, lost our ability to uh, really work together with our European allies. And if you really think about this a bit, uh, and the, the influx of so-called refugees or the migration, which I think is a better term, from the Middle East into Europe, over a million people who have come in the past year, this is Barack, Barack Obama acting as an agent of chaos to destabilize our former allies in Europe. And I say that uh, with a great deal of regret, uh, having spent a, a good deal of time in Europe as well. So we are becoming weaker. Uh, the United States government has been weakening our allies. 
the Israeli prime, uh, the Israeli defense minister Moshe Yalon was in the United States uh, in December, and said publicly, the Brookings Institution, you know, I just wish the president of the United States would be a little bit more present. Would allow the United mm. States to be a bit more active and present in the Middle East. He has pulled us out, and we are turning the place over to enemies uh, of of the United States and the enemies of freedom. Now, you know, you mentioned that you've been doing this for following the Middle East for 25 years, especially the Iran missile development and so forth. Could, you know, if you're looking back, could you ever, even in your worst nightmare, imagine this type of situation happening or developing like it is today? Well, the, the missile, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the missiles, we've seen them developing these missiles for a long, long time. Uh, if you go to Iran. But I mean, I mean more uh, of just the U.S. not being involved, just. Just that our, you know, we'd have an American president creating this situation in the Middle East. And that is that is the new that is the new development, and that's the thing that nobody would have imagined in 2009 when uh, Obama took office. Nobody would have forecast that here we are seven years later in the situation where we are today. Uh, the, the the military developments, the nuclear developments, the missile programs. I'm looking at a picture at Iran.org of uh, Iranian missile launchers. Uh, down in the tunnels, that, and mm. they showed this off recently. It, it used to be secret. Now they're showing it all publicly to try to deter the United States and deter the Saudis by saying, look, we've got all of these nuclear-capable missiles just lined up, ready to go in those tunnels, and you don't know where they are. Uh, but we've seen those developments uh, building, building over the past two to three decades. We have not seen the American president who would systematically and apparently uh, purposefully uh, dismantle U.S. military power and strategic influence around the globe. Yes, but I want to come back to your book of 2007 entitled Shadow Warriors, Traitors, Saboteurs, and the Party of Surrender. Certainly, Barack Hussein Obama has carried it to a whole new level. But in that book, you write about how the Democrat Party and their allies sought to undermine the war in Iraq and George W. Bush, maybe for, maybe because they don't want like America, maybe because just for partisan political reasons. But the, even at that point, they were seeking to undermine America, American presence, and American strength in the world. Because there is a, there, there's a group of people in the United States, our fellow citizens, who do not believe that this country is a force for good. And they believe that American mm. power has caused all of the evils in the world, and if only you put shackles on us uh, and get us out of, of foreign entanglements, uh, and uh, th that every place will be better off. There's an interesting anecdote in Shadow Warriors that's kind of interesting today. Uh, one of the characters I described, Tyler Drumheller, was then a senior CIA official. He led a disinformation campaign aimed against the President of the United States, his ultimate boss, trying to convince him uh, of, of lies about Saddam Hussein's getting uranium from Niger. It made its way into the U.N. speech and paved the way for the Democrats to then say Bush lied about WMD. There were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Well, guess who was advising Hillary Clinton about Libya? It was Tyler Drumheller going through her old consigliere, Sid Blumenthal. I was going to say, is Sid Blumenthal in the mix there? <laughs> yes, he was the guy who was sending Tyler Drumheller's uh, memos on Libya to Hillary uh, to her private email. Uh, now those emails have been revealed, not uh, because she decided to comply with the law, but because uh, the State Department uh, was forced to by a uh, lawsuit from Judicial Watch. Do you think that Iran, once they get nuclear weapons, will actually use them? 
I have never seen this regime in Iran, this Islamic regime in Iran, uh, possess a weapon it has not used. Ouch. That is what, that is what, fears, uh, 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 that is what uh, I am most afraid of with their acquisition of nuclear weapons, is that they would indeed be um, uh, tempted to use them because they believe, their ideology, uh, they believe that when they die, they win. Uh, the famous quote from Rafsanjani, and Johnny, and this is from yet another book of mine earlier called Countdown to Crisis, the coming nuclear showdown with Iran. Rafsanjani Johnny in 2000 is asked if a nuclear war between Israel and Iran would be possible. And he said, yes, such a thing is possible. Many would die in the world of Islam, but that's okay because Israel would cease to exist. And there's another very important theological underpinning uh, to the, all this with Iran, and I would imagine to uh, for other Islamic countries, there's this uh, end times narrative bringing about the, the 12th Imadi, the entire world needs to be under Islam in order for them to fulfill their end times prophecy. Is this a motivating factor? It, it absolutely is. The 12th Imam returns, and he leads the uh, Islamic armies to Jerusalem, where they vanquish uh, the, the Jews and the rest of the world. And interestingly, both the Saudis and the Iranians believe this. Both Sunnis and Shias believe this. They have a different twist on it, but they both believe it. Uh, very, very dangerous uh, when you have them with nuclear capabilities. So 2016 is going to be more violent, I think. You're going to have less U.S. influence. We're going to have more defeats in places like Iraq and Syria. We are not defeating ISIS. ISIS is going to come here to the United States. I think you'll have more attacks such as San Bernardino. Uh, you're going to have more attacks by ISIS uh, uh, in, in Europe as well. So it, I think this is going to be a bloody year. Now, you know, talking about um, the Saudi Arabian, Iranian, going back to that, you know, we, we see these blocks forming, if I if I remember right, I saw an article that the, like the Emirates and stuff are now siding with the um, Saudis. Um, you know, strangely enough, you might even have a Saudi-Israeli cooperation against Iran. You know, um, what role would um, Turkey play, especially under? Um, I don't know if I say this right. Erdogan. Erdogan. You know, it, it, it seems like like he's very popular now in the Muslim world. So what, what type of role would Turkey be playing in all this? That, that's, a, that's a very good question, and it is the spoiler question in a way. Uh, there are three countries vying to head the caliphate, the Islamic caliphate, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey. Turkey, let's not forget, was where the caliphate was based right. until it was disbanded in 1928. Uh, so Turkey has a, a real claim to that title. Erdogan refers to himself as the caliph. He just built this brand-new 1,000-room palace uh, so he could uh, have a proper place for, uh, you know, befitting a caliph to receive uh, his friends as they came to visit Turkey. Um, Turkey is um, not siding with Saudi Arabia, even though they're both Sudi countries. And at this point, they're, they're seemingly taking a neutral position between Saudi and Iran. They have many reasons to do so. For one, they have common interests with Iran. They both want to whack the Kurds and keep the Kurds from declaring an independent Kurdish state. Uh, two, they want to keep their own Kurdish populations down as well. And uh, three, they have some differences. They have, they, they've been battling each other through proxies in Syria, uh, but they can eventually uh, live with that. Uh, money helps. Uh, the oil of business helps. Uh, Erdogan has shown uh, extraordinary corruption. His son has been in charge of oil smuggling for ISIS, uh, probably made something like a billion dollars over the past two to three years by smuggling oil through Turkey uh, to the outside world. 
so Erdogan is a bit of a... Why isn't that new? Wait, 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 let me stop you right there. Why isn't that news? Why isn't that on that even on conservative news well, sites? Well, uh, it, it, it's a very good question. Uh, maybe it's people consider it esoteric. Uh, I can tell you the, the, the White House and the State Department have definitely tried to downplay it, even though some people in the Pentagon have confirmed it. Um, but they, they've tried not to make a big deal of it. Erdogan, uh, at the beginning of the Obama administration, was Obama's best friend. They had a falling out over Syria, uh, but they still have very close ties. And I think Obama is, is exercising influence with his friends in the media to make sure that story doesn't get a lot of play. We've got roughly a baker's dozen worth of people that are vying, spending, going to spend over a couple of billion dollars to inherit this mess in November. Who amongst them is best positioned, do you think, to deal with the national security theater that has developed? Well, uh, that's that's a very good question. Uh, look, I, I, I got to, I like myself. I like Ted Cruz. I like uh, Donald Trump, uh, and I think more and more Americans like Donald Trump. The more they hear about him, they want Americans want somebody who's going to get something done. They they appreciate uh, Trump's uh, battle against political uh, correctness. And when he says he's going to do something, in the past he's done it. He has a track record of accomplishing things, of doing things. Now, on the other side, you say, well, he's not put out a very specific agenda of what he's going to do. He's going to be friends with Putin. Great. He's going to talk to the Chinese and, and, and force them to cut a better deal with this. Okay, that's, that's fine. What is he going to do about ISIS? He's going to defeat them where he has to. Uh, remember, the President of the United States is the guy on the bully pul- pulpit. He's the guy with his finger on the button. He's the guy who commands the Pentagon. But the United States government is a pretty large uh, organization with a huge amount of talent uh, in the general officers corps and and all the way down through the ranks of the military and i think he's going to uh, be presented with some uh, very interesting and imaginative scenarios on how to deal with isis how to deal with iran uh, how to deal with saudi arabia uh, that coincide with his political agenda of minimizing uh, foreign entanglements uh, and concentrating on the economy mm. Ken Timmerman, thank you so much. And apparently there's much more to talk about. Would you uh, come back and visit with us again soon? Well, I look forward to it. I'm going to be in California on the uh, 21st and the 25th of January. You can find information about those events uh, at KenTimmerman.com. And uh, look forward to meeting some of our listeners, and and hopefully we'll see each other there. Absolutely. And you have a Facebook page, uh, Facebook forward slash Ken Timmerman. Uh, You can stay abreast of Ken's writings and thoughts on there. Ken, thank you so much for being with us today, and God bless. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you when you come out here. Maybe we can even scare up a local uh, venue for you when you're here. Well, there we go. Thank thank you very much. Uh, thank Thank you also, Greg and John. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Now a word from a sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, All-Star Collision, the place to go when your car has an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision in Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. 
So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio Program. My name is John Hancock, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Don Dix and Greg Britton. And, you know, we just finished talking with Ken Timmerman, an investigative report on the Middle East. And, you know, one of the things we were mentioning in 2016 that that could be happening is more San Bernardino-type attacks and, and so forth. And, you know... On New Year's Eve, we saw in Cologne, if you didn't see this, this was incredible. We saw where where people from Syria, they, they've determined now, some of the refugees, young Mos- uh, Arab or North African men violating and attacking women. German more than women. a thousand. Mean, this wasn't a, nice, a, a small right. gang. This was an organized effort of more than a thousand young Muslim males that d- descended on the Cologne Central Railway Station. Right, where, and, they, where they were observing fi- uh, New Year's Eve fireworks. Right, and they, they launched fireworks into the crowd. They surrounded women. They robbed them. They sexually molested them. Uh, they, they raped some of them. And then what was even more interesting was to see the reaction after that. And it was, it was covered up. It wasn't covered in the, in the German media until now. And it's now broken up. In, it's, it's now quite the Fuhrer back there. Wrong, wrong, wrong word <laughs> to be talking about Germany. That's, that's the English version of that word, not the German version of that word. Not, not good, the leader. <laughs> good, good correction. But, good uh, correction. Right. You know, and, and, and Merkel, I mean, the reaction of, uh, of Merkel to try to, you know, her, her thing to the German people is like, well, you know, w- with these refugees, we're just going to have to accept more crime. Well, and and the Cologne mayor said, well, women just have to dress more modestly and, and be more yeah. careful. And, and they, be more should, careful. they should have kept a distance from these guys. And how do you keep a distance from, you know, you've seen Times Square. How do you keep a distance from every anybody when you're at these kinds of events where people are packed in, you know, crowds, they're moving around. Uh, you know, this is such an ir- yeah. and they when they surround to- When they surround you and you're walking through the train station. Right. Look. I always say this is a holdover. This is whether it's modern liberalism or it's it's social democrats in Europe. They're still racist to the core. They still believe that people of color cannot control their emotions like Europeans can. Therefore, you have to cater to them. You don't want to set these people off. And, and it's the same argument that they use for Black Lives Matter. If Black Lives Matter goes and they burn their own town, well, you know what? That's okay because... They don't know any better. They can't control themselves. This is the liberal racism. It's paternalistic, but it's just as racist as the KKK or the Nazis. I think that's in there, but I think there's something else working in there, too, is that the leaders of Western civilization, most of them, fundamentally believe that, do not believe in Western civilization. They believe right. that it's fundamentally wrong, immoral, exploitive, and now needs to pay. Like Barack Obama, we, we talked about with Mr. Timmerman in the first part of the show, Western civilization... America need to pay for our sins, and this is part of it. The uh, German interior minister, he said that the, quote, right-wing social media talking about Cologne is is, is, as awful or worse than 
the actual sexual assaults committed by the, by the Muslims. It sounds like that's uh, the mayor of uh, Redlands uh, giving his analysis of what happened. <laughs> that's, you know, that's close. Trading one evil for another. You know, it's like calling the residents of, of uh, Redlands evil for speaking up about the potential risk of refugees compared to the evil of the terrorist attack well, and, in San and, and Bernardino. This, this is important because back in September, there was a dinner where uh, Merkel, the chancellor of Germany, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, were at. And she tells them that you need to do something about all these anti-immigrant Facebook posts that's stirring, that's stirring up our German people against this influx, this invasion of Muslim immigrants. And Zuckerberg agreed. So now, uh, Breitbart here on Thursday morning, Google, Facebook, and Twitter are yielding to the German government's censorship demands. Well, they're even doing that here. There is There, there was an article that just came out showing that if you post anti-Israel posts, nothing happens to you. That's fine. Anti-Semitism is fine. But if you post anti-Arab or anti-refugee things, then those get blocked. And there was a video done of an experiment. They set up two, at the same time, they set up two identical uh, Facebook pages. And on one Facebook page, they, they populated it with uh, anti-Israel uh, rhetoric and a, a identical Facebook page with anti-Palestinian rhetoric. Switch the word, you know, instead of kill, instead of kill the Jews, it was right. kill the Palestinians on, on one or the other. And guess which Facebook page got taken down? Gee, I don't, I, I, I can't imagine. Which, it was which the one? Facebook page with the anti-Palestinian messages, identical messages, identical posts, except that, as you said, they traded the words, and the anti-Palestinian yeah. uh, Facebook page. Absolutely amazing. Down. Kill the Palestinians got taken down. Even more uh, disturbingly, kill the Jews did not get taken down by Facebook. That's right. Yeah, this is this is definitely a window into what's going on in Germany and why I think the residents of this country uh, are right. justified in questioning bringing these because they, they're showing they have no desire. In fact, they're in several countries, uh, you know, Germany and a couple of others. They're talking about the need for classes in order to teach these people that this is the kind of behavior you don't do here. We don't do that. Norway here. is offering right. classes to Muslim immigrants. Don't rape women really i mean yeah, and because uh, you know 100 percent of the rapes that are uh, being committed in norway are done by muslim men yep time for another word from our friends at all-star collision the place to go when you have an accident because they are the kings of wreck and roll back after this when you're on an auto accident you want quality repairs done as fast as possible all you need is all-star for over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Welcome back to Night IE Radio Program. My name is John Hancock. I'm here with my co-host Don Dix and Greg Britton. And we were just talking about, you know, 
what can happen in 2016, what happened in Cologne over on New Year's Eve. And it just reminds me that we had Dr. Gorka, Sebastian Gorka, a profe- um, professor of, of Islam and counterterrorism, uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, you know, that we need, he said blatantly that if you can carry, start carrying. If you can carry legally, but be aware of your surroundings. Situational and I, awareness. Your and you know what? Oddly enough, or, or you know, sadly, within a, a week or two of him being on this show, we had the San Bernardino shootings. If the German women could concealed carry, there would have been a very different result well, exactly in Cologne right. Station New Year's Eve. And I thought it was all because of the cologne they were wearing. I had no idea. I thought this was all about because they... Never mind. <laughs> Sorry about that. You should be. So... We have a number of me- we have a number of things that are coming up here in the Inland Empire. We want to highlight, of course, it's the first, it's the second Saturday of the month, and as always, that's the night for the Act for America meeting in Corona. Uh, we're going to be showing pieces of a of a movie. You know, we had the uh, violent jihad attack here in San Bernardino, uh, but what we're going to be discussing tonight is the under what we call the stealth jihad, which is the uh, Muslim Brotherhood who's operational in the United States, politically active. And we're going to be highlighting that aspect of the Islamic Jihad. In, movie is in the Grand Deception. Yes. Very good movie. Pieces of that. Um, also, next Friday, the movie 13 Hours debuts. And you can win tickets to that. If you download the AM590 app, click on the black banner uh, on that so that you can listen to this show, this station uh, wherever you are, whether you're uh, in reception or not, uh, in your car or home. Uh, and there's a black banner, the first banner there. Click on that to win tickets to uh, come see the premiere of 13 Hours at the Galaxy Movie Theater on Friday the 15th. Another event that's happening now is the Tea Party Patriots National Organization is starting a, I mean, I say Tea Party primary the first round the first round was on january 7 and 8 but there'll be three more rounds ultimately leading to an endorsement by the tea party patriots for president and anyone can register and participate in this in essence there's going to be, and participate in this first primary by going to tea party patriots citizens fund.com that's tea party patriots citizens fund.com register it's free and you can participate in the process and more people are going to vote in the Tea Party Patriots primary, then we'll vote in the Ohio, in the Iowa caucuses, the New Hampshire primary, and probably combined. And as always, you can go to the UniteIE.com website. There's groups that meet all month long throughout the Inland Empire. And if you haven't got enough reasons to get off, the, this is the presidential year. Of course, we've got the Unite IE Conference, Conservative Conference, coming up on March the 19th. Save that date. Uh, but all year long, we'll have groups meeting throughout the Inland Empire. you got to get involved. As we say, this is the radio show of the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Please join us again next week. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.